Good morning. Welcome here this morning. So great to see all of you. Welcome to our online guests. Isn't it just wonderful to be in the house of the Lord? One of the scriptures that I love is that God's mercy is new every morning. It's one of my favorite scriptures. So if you haven't greeted the person next to you, I'm sure you have. You can tell them God has been good to me this week because he is good and only good. Please stand and join us. We're going to enter into a wonderful time of worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can just come before you and just praise you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your love, for your peace. Thank you that you are always with us, Lord. Thank you that we can just come so boldly into your presence. Holy Spirit, thank you, you are here. We just want to worship and praise you this morning. Your goodness that keeps running after us, Lord. Thank you, Father, we worship you. In your holy name, amen.
surrounds us, your presence is with us. No depth, no height, nothing can ever separate us from you, Lord. I believe in the blood of Jesus washes white as snow. I believe in the power of the gospel makes the broken whole. I believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away that stone. I believe, I believe, I believe as I bow before you.
Father, we thank you so much that we can run boldly into your throne room of grace this morning, a place of mercy, Lord, a place where there is no shame, no guilt, no condemnation, a place of love and peace, joy. Father, we thank you that you are present here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you're in us and with us this morning. And Lord, our hearts are open to you. Thank you that you continue to minister to our hearts, Lord, and our minds, our bodies. Holy Spirit, have your way in and through us this morning, we ask. In the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Isn't that awesome? Why don't you just look at the person next to you and say, Good morning. So I have a, a, the joy of sharing the offering with you this morning. We believe that um, giving is an act of worship. And I want to read out of Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19 to 21 at the NLT version. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Now, I was thinking about that this morning. How much of my financial planning is about storing up treasures here on earth? 
planning for my kids and my grandkids, storing up treasures on earth. Now, the Bible does say that it's good. It says that a, a godly man stores up an inheritance for his children and his children's children. So there's nothing wrong with making sure that they are, your kids and your grandkids are taken care of. But he's talking here about not making that your only focus. He's talking about we've also always got to remember that we need to be eternally minded in everything that we're doing. Because you are an earthly being having a, you are an eternal being having an earthly experience. I'll say that again. You're an eternal being having an earthly experience. You're not an earthly being waiting to have an eternal experience. You have a tent that you're living in for this time while you're here on earth, but you're going to live for eternity, either in heaven or in hell, depending on what you choose. Don't get quiet on me. Do you believe this or not? Okay. Jeez, like. You're going to heaven if you believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to heaven. Best you believe in Jesus, okay? So he's saying here, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So he's saying here that what I treasure, that is what's going to get my focus and what's going to keep my focus. And especially when he's talking about treasures here on earth, isn't he? That's what the context is, what he's talking about here. So we've got to ask ourselves, well, then why do we need to give? If, if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, God owns this planet, why do we need to give? Hey, good question. So number one, the reason why we give is because finances always trigger the issues of a heart because our heart follows what we treasure. And so giving helps me to partner in the furtherance of the gospel that I'm reaching people because that's how I'm storing treasures up in heaven because I'm connecting with the gospel and seeing lives changed for eternity. So one day when I get to heaven, there is a treasure for me and that is people in heaven. Secondly, giving guides my heart. So if you don't believe that money affects your heart, go on holiday with a wad full of cash and misplace that money. The rest of your holiday, all you're thinking about is where did I misplace that money? So don't tell me that your heart doesn't follow what you treasure. You lose something valuable. Oh my goodness. You become like the, in Luke chapter 15, the woman who uncovers, every, opens every cupboard, looks under everything to find that which is valuable. And that's what God has done for you and I. We were valuable and we were lost. We were valuable but we were lost, and God did everything to come and purchase us back because of our value. And so we follow his example by our giving, by what we are doing, because giving puts action to what I believe. Giving helps me get connected to the kingdom of God. It, it disconnects me from the spirit of mammon. It disconnects me where money is my master. No, giving helps me determine where my money goes, because I am now determining I'm the master of, of my money. So I tell my money where it needs to go rather than my money telling me where I need to go. Hello? And so you can quickly see if money is your master or your servant because you'll decide on whether you can do something based on whether you have money or not. Okay. Okay. Maybe we need to do a series on money, eh? <laughs> but money helps us in terms of our partnering with the gospel. Because Jesus had people who partnered with him and helped him fulfill his mission on earth. They provided for him. They looked after him while he was a man on earth. Paul was, had many partners who partnered with him so that he could send people, so that he could go and that he could send people. And our job as the church is either to go or to send. We either need to be going or we need to be sending. And so we believe Nisla Vineyard is great fertile ground for you to partner with us. So we're partnering with Christ Kerk. We've sent Alfred and Andrea there for the furtherance of the gospel. 
Good news is for those of you who live in Plett and the Crags, we are now at Tabela Lighthouse. As you're going towards Plett on the right-hand side, just before Kwanu, you'll see two containers there with a nice jungle gym, soccer field, and it's a really, really great space. So we're meeting, meeting now as Nisner Vineyard at Tabela Lighthouse. So the services there are from 10 o'clock in the morning. And so you can, we can seat about 70 people, and I think we'll outgrow it very quickly. So we're probably going to go to two services there in Plett. So you are partnering with us. Another way you can partner with us, we're going to be putting jungle gyms upstairs in Kidsvine. So when, I had, when our kids were still very young, the only restaurant we could go and eat in was the Spur, because the Spur were forward thinking. And we went there not because there wasn't any other good food in town. No, we went there because they're jungle gyms because my wife and I could have a conversation while our kids went and played in the jungle gyms. And so it's going to cost us about 200,000 rand to put those tunnels and climbing nets and jumping and whatever else they need to do upstairs. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Last month we had 500 kids from grades um, 4 to 7 here, of which over half gave their lives to Jesus. Then our second event for the high school kids, we had 300 kids and 120 gave their lives to Jesus. If we are not investing in children then we must close our doors because we are one generation away from closing our doors. We need to be investing into next gens, into younger children, because there's always going to be children, but our job is to make sure we are reaching children. And there's lots of children in Eisner, and so we're going to put a jungle gym upstairs there. So you can partner with us. You can, what I mean by partner with us, the Bible says investing in generations. Investing means putting your money into something because it's going to bring a harvest of children. Amen. Smile at me. Wave. You okay? We're going to do this. Can I also share some big vision? We're going to, we're going to build a new sanctuary for Nisner Vineyard. And this church is going to become a kid's vine. This church is going to become the kid's vine. So we'll tell you more about it next year, but we've been working for four years for permits. And so... They're finally coming, and we'll let you know when we actually have the stamp on them. But God has got big, big plans for Neisner Vineyard and for Neisner in terms of reaching people with the gospel. And so putting the kids behind jungle gyms there is the first step in our journey of reaching Neisner. Amen. So you can partner with us in that. So there's many ways you can give, and I'm sure that they are up behind me. And then Mama D is going to be sharing a powerful word this morning. You need to be open to see what, these are practical tools that, that he is going to be leaving you with so that you can persuade your heart to see your dreams fulfilled. Amen. Thank you. morning church are you all good what a beautiful day it is so thank you for choosing Nisner Vineyard and not this, the beach I know you can go just now so thank you for coming this morning it's so lovely to be together and I am Dee if you don't know me one of the pastors here and Steve's wife and the mother of four children but we're going to continue off our series on can you see and I know last week Steve was in George. He was doing um, Alfred's Insiening. His, I want to say initiation, but it's not that. <laughs> What's it? Induction service. And we were blessed to be part of that. And he's so wonderful. And I don't know what's happened, but I know the farmer has left the building. But somehow the farming stories have stayed with me. Because if you were here the last time I preached, we preached on doves and goats well the goats are back the goats are back I'm just warning you the goats are back and the farm story is with us 
So we bless Alfred and his family, and maybe he left his mantle. I just hope it isn't double fold and I go into farming. <laughs> so yes, I'm going to be sharing on the story of Jacob and some goats. For me, when I heard that we were doing this series, I couldn't not tell you this story. For me, it's one of the most powerful stories in the Bible when it comes to can you see. And we're going to go on this journey. If you haven't read your Bible, or you didn't go to Kids Vine when you were little, I'm just going to sum up Jacob's life. He's one of the four founding fathers of our times. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, he had a, a brother, a twin brother, had a few sibling issues. It is in the Bible, so if you've had sibling issues, it's okay, you will make it. And so he has a sibling issue, ends up getting his birthright, going out, and he falls in love with a gorgeous girl called Rachel, which means little lamb, because I have a gorgeous girl called Rachel. And unfortunately, she has an older sister and gets tricked into having to work seven years to first marry the older daughter and then another seven years to get Rachel. He then wants to have children and desires all these things and only the oldest daughter is producing children. He has some with the servants and eventually he falls, they fall pregnant with Rachel and himself and Joseph is born. And that's where we are picking up the story today in Genesis chapter 13. So soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, who is his father-in-law, please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I have worked for you. Please listen to me. Laban replied, I have become wealthy for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Jacob replied, you know how hard I've worked for you and how your flocks and herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done, but now what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? What wages do you want, Laban asked again. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing and I'll continue to tend and watch your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted along with all the black sheep. Give these to me as my wages. In the future, when you check on the animals you have given as my wages, you'll see that I've been honest. If you find in my goats, in flock of any goats, without speckles or spots or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I have stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. But that very day, Laban went out and removed the male goats that were streaked and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep. He placed them in the care of his own sons, who took them a three days journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. In 31, between now and 31, Abraham goes on a breeding scheme, which we will talk about just now. Things start happening. He starts breeding with the goats till eventually he has this massive herd of striped, speckled, and spotted goats. And then in 31, he comes again, and now he says, Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. So this is now the sons getting a bit of a vibe. And Jacob saw that the countenance of Laban had indeed, it was not favorable towards him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. And he goes and discusses this with his wives. And in verse 5, he says to Rachel, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable towards me as before. But the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. 
Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. Here we see there's Laban and there's Jacob. He has worked, as he said, I have worked with all my might. He's had to work seven years for the eldest daughter. He's had to work seven years for Rachel. Every time Laban keeps changing the goalposts. And my first question in our Can You See series is, can you see the bitterness? Is there any bitterness in Jacob's tone? There's nothing. I don't know if you've ever worked for a dishonest boss or maybe even been cut off in traffic. We're talking over... I mean, 14 years just to pay for the wives, let alone goats don't breed every week. We're talking seasons of breeding goats. He's been here for a long time. We get the grumps when someone cuts us off in traffic. Let's say 18 years of dishonesty, and he still says, I've worked with all my might. I've been faithful. I've seen God increase both your flock of goats and mine. Is there any bitterness? There's nothing. How did he do it? I would have quit a long time ago. I mean, Steve's great. He really is good looking, but 14 years of hard labor. (laughs) I did for you, though. Not your older brother, but I did for you. (laughs) 14 years. And he still is trying his best. Even when he says to Laban, you know, I'll take the speckled and the spotted. What does Laban do? He takes them away and takes them three days away from him. He hasn't even started the journey and Laban's already cheating him. But he says, don't worry, I'll just keep on faithfully working. No bitterness. In Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many may be defiled. There was no bitterness in Jacob towards Laban at this time. In every situation, whether good or whether we've been cheated or we have a dishonest boss or whether there's stress, we have a choice whether we're going to become bitter or not. There is so much happening in life at the moment, and we wake up every day deciding whether or not we're going to choose to be bitter. Because what we focus on, what we focus our attention on, intensifies our experiences. It completely magnifies it. What does it mean to magnify? It means to make louder, larger, and mightier. Do we choose to magnify God? Or do we choose to magnify our problems, our finances, our health, our pain, our friend group, our future? The government? What are we going to magnify? Because Psalm 34 verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever together. We have to choose what we are magnifying. If we are choosing to magnify our circumstances, guess what? We are creating an idol because we're so busy focused on this person or this problem or this issue that we forget we have a God we need to magnify. We become consumed day and night thinking about this problem and what does it become? An idol. We think more about that than our heavenly Father. And it becomes a form of worship. Anything on which we focus our attention is made larger in our experience. 
And just like Jacob, we have to choose not to become bitter. God does not want us, and he even warned us about being vexed with people and situations. In Luke 21 verse 34, it says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. You know, we have breathalyzer tests against drunkenness. Do you realize drunkenness and anxieties of life are in the same sentence? It's the same trap. Would you pass the breathalyzer test right now of the anxieties of life? Hmm? Or would you miss the robot go around because you see a road block? <laughs> It's scary, hey? It's in the same trap. Because God didn't want us to be trapped by anxiety, by us feeling out of control. He wants us to choose to let go of that and magnify Him. Let's choose to let it go. The second can you see that I want to focus on today is can you see the spots? Often in cartoons, when people pass out, they see the little birds and dots, and you know, when you come out, you see spots. That's not what I'm talking about. Can you see the spots? Talk to the friend next to you, say, can you see the spots? <laughs> you can when you see them in front of you, because what you behold is what you become. What is in front of you is what you become. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are beholding a mirror. When we read His Word, when we study His nature, we are beholding him and you become what you behold. What is in front of us? In Colossians 3 verse 10, it says, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We are beholding something all the time and we get to choose what we are going to behold and so we go back to our goats, our cute little goats. This is the breeding program. Remember, he said in verse 35, so he removed that day, old Laban removed all the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it and all the brown ones among the lambs and gave them into the hands of his son. Then he put them three day journeys between himself and Jacob and Jacob carried on feeding the rest of Laban's flocks. Again, no bitterness, but this is what he does. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of almond tree, chestnut trees, others say um, plane trees, peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering trials, troughs, where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rocks, the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled and spotted. Don't know about you, are you all craving speckled eggs right now or is it just me? <laughs> okay, no one else has been triggered here, just me. Okay, then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rocks before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. 
Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous. How prosperous? Exceedingly. I'm telling you, he would have sponsored the kids Van Jungle Gyms, I'm just saying. And had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Here, God had given, and we're going to see it later, he had a plan. And I want to show you right now, if you've never seen what a poplar tree looks like, isn't God amazing? Look at this. This is a poplar tree. And he took the bark and he put it in the water. So when they were drinking, they saw the stripes. And he says they were conceived. That means while they were being intimate, while they were being mating, they saw these stripes. And guess what came out? Spotted, speckled, and stripes. You become what you behold. And I know Steve has shared it before, but I'm going to remind you, when you have a vision and there is a strong emotion associated with that vision, you start to create beliefs on your heart, positive and negative. Here the goats were being able to mate and they were seeing the speckled and striped wood they were heightened with love, and so they started to write these beliefs on their heart. If people watch scary horror movies, what happens? They have a vision, they get heightened emotion of fear or of anxiety. What happens? They write belief systems, suddenly the, the demons and, and evil are far greater than the word of God. And it's all fine until midnight and you hear a scratch on the door. <laughs> oh, it doesn't affect me. Mm. And you see siblings in the same bed together holding. Oh, I'm not scared. Okay, it's, it's just my family. It's fine. <laughs> we have to be very careful what we are beholding, especially when there's emotion involved. We are writing our belief systems. What, what emotion are you feeling when you are watching the news? When you hear an accident? I had to learn this the very hard way. And God showed me it was exactly this scenario. And how the Holy Spirit shared with me, it only happened a year after the event. But what happened was when I had my cancer op, it was supposed to be a routine radical hysterectomy. There was no, they were going in. And what happened was I started to bleed out. I lost three quarters of my blood. I had to have blood transfusions. They came to Steve in the waiting room, said, I'm fighting for my life. And afterwards, the doctor said to me, what, what medication are you on? Are you on blood thinners? Like what has caused this? It was so, it shouldn't have happened to me. And anyway, I recovered, I, I got through it a year later. I mean, I was fine. And it was at one lady's life group that I was busy sharing and I was talking about, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit told me what had happened. And I used to watch Grey's Anatomy. Now, some of you may watch Grey's Anatomy and you're not triggered, but when I watched it, I would cry for these people. I would mourn with the mothers that had lost children for days. I would pray for them from Monday to the next Monday. I would be praying for the characters in Grey's Anatomy because it, it affected me so emotionally. And I never forget, I know when it happened, how, what the episode was, and one of the moms was in an operation and all of a sudden, Blood was squirting, the beeps were going, every machine and the whole hospital was trying to keep her alive. And I made the statement to myself, I wonder what would happen if I was ever in that situation. And I wrote a belief. And that exact thing happened to me. Be careful what agreements you make with heightened emotion and what is in front of you. 
That is a negative. I can tell you a very awesome positive. Before I got married, before I met Steve, I was on a very bad roller coaster of weight loss. I was battling to lose weight. If you didn't know me then, I was a lot heavier. I was 13 kilograms heavier than I am now. And God told me so clearly. I was on a ladies' conference. I was at a guest speaker. And he said, stop it. And he said, I'm going to give you the grace to lose weight. And the first thing you're going to do is see yourself the way I see you. And he gave me a picture and he said, you're going to put it on your fridge. Because so many of us are trying to exchange the external or trying to change the external, but we're not changing how we see ourselves on the inside. And he said, I want you to see yourself the way I see you. And every time you open that fridge, that's who you are. And effortlessly, God restored my life. And I became what I beheld. And it's been 25 years of freedom in him. We become what we behold. What emotions are you writing on your heart? Jacob knew that by putting that bark in front of those goats and those sheep, something would happen. And the last point I want to make this morning with can you see, is can you see God? Can you see God in everything around you? We become so focused on life and the daily rat race. But can you see God? Because I want to tell you, Jacob saw God in all of this. Look at this. In Genesis 31, this is after Laban is he's telling his cheated, God has not allowed him to be, do me any harm. For he has said, this is Laban, he's Abraham's, I mean, Jacob's talking about it. For if he said, talking about Laban, the speckled animals will be your wages, guess what? The whole flock began to produce speckled young. And when he changed his mind and said, now the striped animals will be your wages, then the whole flock produced striped young. In this way, God has taken your father's animals and given them to me. One time during the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the females were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Okay, when you get home today, I want you to say streaked, speckled, and spotted 10 times in a row. And then you'll appreciate this message this morning of how I haven't messed it up because I've practiced. Streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then in the dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, here am I. The angel said, look up and see, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled, and spotted males are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen how Laban has treated you. I am the God who appeared to you at Bethel, the place where you appointed, anointed the pillar of stone and made your vow to me. Now get ready to leave this country and return to the land of your birth. Jacob knew God was in this. God even gave him the plan of what to do to get the spotted, speckled and striped goats. He dreamed it. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, I know you come to church to hear about Jesus, and I know you love my National Geographic stories. So, here it is. Are you ready? Part two. Have you ever heard of the agoti gene? Just nod your head. No, I hadn't either, so don't worry. This agouti gene is incredible. Listen to this. It determines the color of an animal's fur. If it's all on, then you get a solid color. Or if it's all off in your genes, you get a solid color. The moment some are on, some are off, it becomes speckled or spotted. Okay? For example, this was the experiment they did. Here are my little mice, okay? No our mice, no mice were harmed in this experiment, so don't worry. But 
These are five cloned mice. So they are genetically identical, yet their fur looks different. Why? The mouse on this side has all its agouti genes turned on, and so it's come out a solid yellow. Interesting, hey? Hmm. And this side, all his agouti genes are turned off, come out dark brown or black, if you want to say that, solid brown. But the three mice in the middle have some of the goatee genes turned on and some off. And their fur is speckled, spotted, and streaked. Isn't that amazing? So I'm glad you're asking me the question, what causes this on and off reaction? Well, I'm glad you came because I have the answer. One of the biggest factors is the diet of the pregnant mother. The diet of the pregnant mother. And what were those goats drinking? Let me tell you. Firstly, they had the poplar tree. Studies have shown that if you introduce the poplar tree, the, the better conception rates increase phenomenally. They have optimal gestation and increased multiple births. The sweet almond tree that they had in their water, it helps urogenical dis diseases and disorders. It helps treat eye diseases, dysentery, and earache. I mean, you don't want goats with earache, so it helps. But listen to this. It relieves birth pains and increases the mother's milk. And then lastly, the plane tree, which is here. You can see the plane tree. I mean, there's, the, there's the, the spotted tree that they had to put in. Isn't that beautiful? Listen to this. It has anti-inflammatory properties and are best extracted by having the wood in water. Is God amazing? He could have said, put a wattle in, you know, is there even a tree in the desert? These three trees were so specifically there to look at and to ingest. In Psalm 37 verse 23, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our life. What a promise of a story. He saw Jacob. He saw what was going on, but he had a plan because he loves every detail of our lives. He's there in us, working intimately. What season are you in right now? Maybe you're working for a company that's unjust, Maybe you feel like you are in the no man's land. Maybe you're going through a change in life. What does your future hold? What are you beholding? What are you thinking about? What are you ingesting? Are you choosing to put him in front of you? We have a choice to make. And we can trust in a father who is intricately involved in every detail of our lives. Can we be like Jacob and trust him? Can you let go of these idols that you've magnified instead of him? Maybe you've had health issues. Is it something you've focused on all the time? Let it go. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's, it's your plans for the future. What am I going to study? What am I going to become? Maybe I've become something I don't want to be. Can we let all of this go and choose to behold him? Can you see God right now in front of you? 
his nature, his character, that he's not, if he looked after goats, how much more are we so much more valuable? Won't you stand with me this morning? Won't you close your eyes? As I've been speaking, maybe something's just popped up in your heart of, of something you're worried about, maybe you're anxious about, maybe you're feeling insecure. You don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Maybe you're overwhelmed with fear, with lack. This morning, I want you to lay it down. And choose to behold him. Choose to make him Lord of your lives. Repentance just means to change direction. Maybe you've come here this morning and you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life. Or maybe you did at one stage, but you've walked away from him. Today, I'm giving you the opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm putting you back in first place in my life. I want to make you Lord of my life. I can't do this without you. So if that's you this morning, while no one's looking around, it's just you, me, and God, won't you raise your hand and say, do you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to come back. Anybody else? Thank you. Can we just pray this prayer with these precious people together to encourage them to stand? Let's just say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, today I believe you died on the cross for me. I give you my life. I make you Lord and number one. I repent, I turn around, and I follow you. I am a new creature, and I am your child, in Jesus' name. And the rest of us that have prayed, all of us can just put our hands on our heart right now. Just say, body, you are safe. You are in his arms. Fear, you have no place in me. Sickness, you have no place in me. Anxiety, you have no place in me. Thank you for your peace. It fills every cell as I behold you. Just see him put his arms around you this morning. Father, I pray for those that are online with us, that as they've made decisions, as they are at home, that your peace fills their home as well. I pray for babies. I pray for parents. I pray for families. 
those that are far away, that right now your peace envelops them. Thank you that we will not magnify our cares right now, that we will magnify you, Jesus, and behold you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, church, for coming. Please, if you have raised your hand, we have a ministry team here, but we also have someone that has a What Now book for you. Please grab that. We'll just share your journey with you. We'd love to pray with you. There's a ministry team up here. If you would like some more prayer, Otherwise, go and grab a cup of coffee and always remember you are highly favoured and deeply loved. Have a wonderful day.